Hey guys, before we get to today's show, I want to tell you about a great new podcast called Taking a Punt, The Dane Roy Story. Taking a Punt is a new podcast all about the legendary football player, Dane Roy. Uh, he was an Australian ice cream salesman who made it in the U.S. playing football for the University of Houston Cougars. Dane Roy was working in sales for an ice cream company in Melbourne, Australia, when he won a longest kick competition, putting him on the radar of U.S. talent scouts. Fast forward four years, and Dane is one of the few Australians to have completed completed a pass in the CFB, College Football League. He finished his final year on the red carpet live on ESPN as a finalist for the prestigious Ray Guy Award for the best punter in college football, and he holds multiple punting records at University of Houston. Listen to Taking a Punt, the Dane Roy story. It can be found on all major podcast platforms. I also want to tell you about another great podcast called Off the Muta Scale. Off the Muta Scale is a wrestling podcast where three lifelong wrestling fans review WWE and AEW shows weekly. They cover SmackDown, Raw, AEW Dynamite, and all the pay-per-view events. They have a new episode out every Sunday, so make sure you catch up. Listen to Off the Muta Scale podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. Welcome to James Crowley's Infinite Playlist, this podcast where I try to hear every song that has ever existed. This week, I am bringing you guys the second half of my conversation with John Donnelly, my best friend, where we're talking about nostalgia. John and I had a great conversation, a lot of laughs, um, which is just kind of a product of knowing someone for 26 years. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to share this with you guys. Before I get into it, uh, just a reminder, if you like the podcast, please tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone uh, to please check it out. And you know, if you feel so kind, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, before uh, I play the audio, just a reminder, you can now follow the podcast on Instagram where James Crowley's Infinite Playlist uh, on Instagram, no spaces, nothing. Uh, and you can follow me on various social medias. I'm James P. Crowley on Instagram and TikTok. On Twitter, I'm at James P. Crowley 68. And you can follow me there. Uh, let's get into the rest of the audio with me and John. Thanks. Bye. Into your next pick, which was the impression that I get as performed by Real Big Fish, but originally by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Both versions um, kind of hold memory because one, the the Boston's version, I I swear like the version of this song like they used in like one of those bumpers on like Disney oh, Channel. They could have, yeah, or Nick, one of Actually, those two. I can almost guarantee you that they did because I'm pretty sure the Mighty Mighty Boston's have like performed at. Disney World yeah. and things like that. I'm pretty sure they've like had Disney associated with them. So that's not that surprising. Yeah. So it, it sticks with me because of that era, but also 
I think it was it was when I was a junior. I'm pretty sure it was when I was a junior. The spring concert. It was between either Ace Hood or Real Big Fish. <laughs> Somehow Real Big Fish got chosen. I was surprised. I thought everybody would be like Ace Hood, but. I don't know. Alas, at all. I really don't. Real Big Fish is popular. Yes. And I mean, but one of the things that's. The worst yeah. part about that is nobody showed up to the concert oh, except for like mo- like most of like my group of friends who also a reason I know so much Sky is because of this group of guys like from the cross country team. Right. And it was just a bunch of us pounding around. I mean, the band loved it because they're like. Nobody showed up, but these guys are having a fucking blast. They're doing like a Congo line around the goddamn gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's good. I, that's one of the things I always worry about sometimes with different shows where it's like, oh, there's like no one here. Yeah. But no, that's so funny. Well, because like Real Big Fish, the thing is, is they're very popular within the ska scene. Yes. And they definitely have a very big following. Um, but that being said... They're not necessarily very well known out for normal people outside of the song um, "Beer," yeah, which is hella popular. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so that's something that's very funny. Um, the thing that I also kind of realized because I tried to find the real Big Fish version of this song on streaming services and couldn't. I realized it was like a live only thing. Yeah, it's only something they do live, um, and this was one of those instances. I feel like they do it sort of in the same way that Bowling for Soup does um, Stacy's Mom. Yeah. Where people probably think that they play it, but they don't. You see, I I would have thought the opposite because I've never, I've never heard that version, obviously, because if it's something they mostly do live, I only know the original. Of Stacy's Mom. Stacy's Mom, yeah. Bowling for Soup has released uh, a studio version of Stacy's Mom. Okay. But, but they did it because, I mean, I think... You didn't do Fountains of Wayne's the original. Fountains of Wayne is the original artist, but you never illegally downloaded music, did you? No. (laughs) I am not a criminal nor a pirate. (laughs) So I'm a good boy. I think one of the things that circulated when like LimeWire and things like that were big were if you went to download uh Stacy's mom, someone had labeled it as bowling for soup. Uh So so many kids just downloaded it being like, oh, this is a bowling for soup song. They do nineteen eighty-five and uh That's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. But but so like they kind of took it in stride where they were like, you know, we're gonna record our own (laughs) version of it. Um which I think is very funny and very much within the spirit of bowling for soup. Yeah. Um but yeah. And I don't know, going back to the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, it's very funny that you mentioned that sort of like, you know, collegiate experience because I feel like that was the time with Real Big Fish that I was like, oh, other people actually do know some of these songs. Yeah. <laughs> because when I would go to Tower Hour at New Paltz and they would, you know, that was Thursday nights from 1030 to 1130, you could get a tower of beer for like seven bucks. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, awesome deal. It, it was. And like people would get there early. You would start lining up at the bar at like 1020 to make sure you could get one, had your cash out to hand to the guy. Um, and I just remember that as soon as it hit 1030 and people started handing money, like a couple people would grab them and then you just hear like the opening chords to beer. <laughs> um, so, 
but let's keep on rolling along. Since we mentioned Bowling for Soup, it's only appropriate that the next song was Luckiest Loser by Bowling for Soup. You're really one heck of a guy. Best friend since junior high. You showed me Playboy for the very first time. That was rad. We saw Bon Jovi, we sat in the front row. Which I went with a deep cut because I'm a snob. <laughs> um, had I ever played this for you when we were younger? Probably. I I vaguely remember this, but I just think of this. Just made me think of like the more popular stuff yeah. by Bowling for Soup that I do recognize. Know. Yeah, I love. Uh, it, it's so funny because for me, I always think of I always think of being in like seventh and eighth grade. It definitely right? reminded me of that era. Yeah, which. Awkward I mean, it, middle school. Yeah, which probably around like 2004, 5-ish was when Bowling for Soup first got their like big break. Yeah. Uh, I think 2003, they put out Drunk Enough to Dance. Actually, yeah, I know that because that's when they got their Grammy nomination. <laughs> um, and that was kind of like what made them a mainstream act. And then I think for people our age, it was uh, the song... Uh, 1985 that really kind of hooked a lot of people in which that. is a cover song they covered um what was the other cover song that was big it was i'll melt with you yes from the sky high soundtrack i was literally about to say that <laughs> sky high <laughs> um what a, what a, what a terrible movie <laughs> I, I, funny enough i've revisited it, it's it. enjoyable yeah i think i think it was a very interesting concept that they could have done a lot more with yes um but so yeah they did it for that they were very intertwined with disney um despite the fact that they told a lot of dirty jokes in a lot of their songs yeah. they always had like clean versions they had radio disney versions um but i remember being in like seventh and eighth grade and that was when uh that was the last time i was actually in a band <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever like I've played with people before since then but never been like I don't know, in a band that would like practice somewhat regularly. And I remember Greg and Adrian uh, were very adamant that you couldn't listen to anything except heavy metal. So I would listen to Bowling for Soup like in, in my secret. room in secret. I'd never had a song on my iPod. And I was like, I can't tell anyone that I like Bowling for Soup. And that was when I found this song. Jeez, they're like Greg and Adrian are like the KGB of kind rock music of, you know, now. <laughs> well, it's very much like Big Brother's watching. And like my big fear was like, oh, they're going to scroll through my iPod and see like, you know, it's oh, treason, you know, 1985. This is, you know, raw, you know. But so, yeah. So I remember, you know, listening to Bowling for Soup in secret. And I always kind of gave myself the excuse that Bowling for Soup always referenced different heavy metal bands in their music. Like, you know, lyrically, this song has uh, celebrity golf with Alice Cooper. Um, her Marilyn Manson's her favorite band is a line, you know. So I was like, oh, cool. Well, let's keep on rolling along into another pop punk great. Uh, All the Small Things by Blink-182 was your next pick. All the small things, true care, truth brings. I'll take one lift, you're right. Best trip, always, I know, you'll be at my show, watch 
this is a classic. Of course. Um, a lot of people our age <laughs> adore this song and this band. Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit about it. Um, this song was the last track on the Now 4 CD. Oh, I remember that one. That came out, must have been like when we were like five or six years old. This album is from 1999, so it was probably around then. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that's the that's the year my sister was born. Um, so so it was, there was that CD from years and years and years ago. And then um, I think... That's one of the first songs that I learned to play on guitar. It's funny we mentioned Chris before, but it, it's this is one of those songs. It's all power chords. Yeah. It's it's not a lot of movement on the fretboard. Uh, Blink two songs for the most part are relatively simple, especially from this is from Enema of the State, which I mean they're classic album. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, they would because that's about the most Blink One Eighty Two does is they do like a riff. And then, you know, they they might have a riff, but then it's all power chords. Yeah. You know, um, as they've gone on, they've gotten a little bit more complex, but not by much, much. Oh. Um, yeah, it's so funny because I've kind of, I have a lot of very strong and strange feelings about Blink-182. I do think Blink-182 is very overrated. <laughs> and It's one of those bands, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, and this is a song that I personally have gotten tired of there are a lot of blink 182 songs are you getting a call no no i'm good okay uh there are a lot of blink 182 songs that i do like and love you know and i went to see blink at the barclays center playing this album front to back uh because i thought well if i'm going to go see blink 182 live at least once i need to see them play this song uh, not this song this album um so it's very strange because this is obviously their most popular song but they only played it as like the eighth song in the set list because they just played the album straight through to start right which was very cool um the only regret i have about that show was they did um what is it (laughs) they did what's my age again but instead of doing what's my age again the normal way they did it with lil wayne uh because lil wayne was on that tour (laughs) (laughs) which was bizarre (laughs) but (laughs) but like you know you can't deny the fact that blink 182 is great and popular um you know so i don't know it's it's very funny i don't really have very many memories attached to the song i feel like more of my Blink-182 memories kind of come in, like, college. because really? I end up, Well, because I, I, didn't, I didn't like Blink all that much when I was younger. I, you, know, I, you know, I'd obviously had heard the song. I'd heard others. I heard Damn It. I heard What's My Age Again. You know, but they didn't really, like, click the same way that other songs did. Um, you know, but then when I got to college and, like, they would play this at, like, frat parties and things like that. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, you know, this slaps. And then, you know, going and exploring, you know, more of the back catalog and, you know, hearing songs like, you know, Dump Weed or Going Away to College or, you know, uh, even, you know, stuff from what's it called neighborhoods like uh, Ghost on the Dance Floor. I'm like, oh, I get this and I do enjoy this stuff. But it wasn't, like, the same. Right. Yeah. It's funny. (laughs) Let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was 
London Beckon songs about money written by machines by Panic at the Disco. This was from that era when they mm-hmm. had long, unnecessary song titles that didn't necessarily uh, relate to the song. Or they did a little bit, um, but not necessarily. This <laughs> I just pulled up the Genius page, and it says that the title is a quote from Douglas Copeland's book, Shampoo Planet. Um, but, like... I don't know anything about that. <laughs> it's so funny because there's been a series on TikTok of this girl doing like, oh, there's all these bands. She said, you know, that kind of era of emo and pop punk were just different bands choosing movie quotes <laughs> as song titles. Because like <laughs> Fall Out Boy had a song called Nobody Puts Baby in the Corner or Of All the Gin Joints in the World. Um, what was it? Uh <sighs> Panic at the Disco had a bunch <laughs> um, because they had one that was like uh, lying is the most fun a girl can have but it's better if you do uh, which were two Panic at the Disco songs but the, that was a line from the movie Closer um, what was it uh, I didn't even know it until I saw the TikTok but uh, the song I'm made of wax Larry what are you made of is uh, in a day Night to remember the song but it's from a night at the museum which is funny i was that was watching that recently i've never seen it <laughs> i wouldn't have thought of that unless i watched it recently robin <laughs> um, williams everybody um but there's some uh, what's it called the band four years strong has a song called heroes get remembered legends never die you know things like that mm-hmm. and it's it's just so strange but i chose this one just because i kind of wanted to rep- represent my love of that era of panic at the disco um, because I kind of remember hearing this song and this album in sixth grade and not, you know, being able... I'd never heard anything like this. Right. Um, I don't know. Do you remember... Uh, I don't. What are your feelings on Panic! at the Disco? Um, it, it just makes me think angsty middle school era kind of... early high school era kind of shit. I don't... I don't. Even, but does it do that even now? Because now Panic at the Disco is like insanely popular with songs like High Hopes and stuff. Um, High Hopes is one of those songs, like I was saying earlier, like when you're listening to the radio and you just hear it way too much. <laughs> that is one of those songs for me. I'm so lucky that I don't listen to the radio because I did not get tired right. of that Because like if I if I went a while without hearing it, like it's don't get me wrong, it's a good song. Like yeah, but I'll, uh, it was like. Um, some of the summers lifeguarding, I had certain crew members that all they listened to was like the hits and it got so old oh, yeah. so fast. Well, periods when I've heard more pop songs more often, I get very sick of them. Yeah. But, but then you come back to them years later and if it was like, it makes you nostalgic. It makes for you them. nostalgic and you're like, yeah, this is great. 
And we're back. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, brief intermission. I don't even know if I said that I'm going to pause it. In the I think podcast. you did. I don't know. If the audio's there, it's not. But there will be a whole nother intro there, I think, ahead of this. So, or Like some cheesy intermission music? Oh, no. Well, because if I'm breaking this up into two parts, um, you know, one part's going to come out one week. The second part's going to come out the next week. So, um, you know. I do like a separate intro to just be like, hey, here's the second part of my conversation with John Donnelly. You know, we talk about nostalgia. If you don't, if you didn't listen to the first part, listen to the first part. And if you didn't listen to the first part, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But so, uh, but anyway, let's hop back into it. Uh, Let's start with your next pick, which was Ain't Talk About Love by Van Halen. So tell me a little bit about this. Um, obviously, we mentioned the untimely passing of Eddie Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen Part One. Um, we've mentioned it in in the past on a previous podcast about. Did we uh, talk about Van Halen? We talked about how my taste kind of definitely has this era of music. Oh yeah, uh, it heavily is involved in that. Um. But this song in particular, um, I would say, is first up on playlists for when I go skiing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's got that good, like, get hyped feeling on it. Yes. You know, like, you know, you could definitely kind of listen to it and enjoy it and not, like, you know... It, the thing that kind of gets me about Van Halen's music is it's never necessarily like about something, right? You know, like they don't have a lot of substance, but they are a lot of like fun, right? Like Panama, un- unless you like really look into it, you don't really know. Panama is just about a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all it is. Well, they're just like songs about. They're songs to have fun to. You exactly. Know, they're, they're you know wild party songs. Exactly. So you know it's one of those things that like uh, you know I just kind of am like, oh, this is you know, you could listen to ain't talking about love any day of the week. It's good to like get hyped. Good to kind of like put you in the mood, get you like bouncing around. Yeah, because that's that's kind of the type of thing I go for with the playlist when I'm skiing because. Uh, for me, skiing's that kind of escape from everything. You're just in a zone, and uh, I know you're not one of those Fast and the Furious fans. Nope. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know, think I've ever seen a movie. <laughs> yeah, they're entertaining. Um, there's like that one line: "I live my life a quarter mile at a time." The whole like for those ten, ten seconds or less, nothing else matters. For those ten seconds or less, I'm free. I'm I'm definitely chopping up the whole quote. Right. But that that's kind of the the feel I have when it comes to skiing and this kicking off the first song for that playlist. Um, you know, it just gives that vibe where like it's it makes me think of like night skiing back oh, in college okay. at Jiminy Peak. That. And 
just like getting set. You're looking down the hill, getting your you know goggles down, and then all of a sudden the drums kick in, and that's when you just for send me, it. <laughs> for me, and we alluded to this earlier. We, uh, you know, it always just kind of makes me think of seeing Van Halen because I saw Van Halen twice. I saw them. I think it Lucky. was 2008 and 2012, um, which. I didn't see the last tour they'd gone on because 2012 wasn't as good as 2008. Right. But 2008, for a little while, you know, granted, I didn't go to as many shows then as I do now. Well, did now. <laughs> um, but, like, it was the best show I'd seen up until that point. And, you know, just Eddie Van Halen can't really be topped. And even David Lee Roth as a front man is still wildly entertaining. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny when shows end up happening again. There there are a bunch of artists that are kind of on their... They were kind of in the middle of their farewell tours or were about to start their farewell tours. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which was Kiss, uh, who I definitely considered getting a ticket to go see. <laughs> and David Lee Roth is the opener. And I would like to see David Lee Roth open, although... That would you know, be cool. Although it's the full band that's really kind of appealing. Yeah. Not, um, the one guy. Um, have you heard Eddie Van Halen's son song? Which song by Eddie Van, no, Eddie he, Van Halen's he song? He only put out one. It was Well, his son put out one song. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't tell you what it's called, but it was recent. No, I haven't heard it. Okay. It's, it's pretty good. It's not Van Halen sounding, but... Um, it's nice. It's like touching. I, I recommend giving it a lesson. Let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, which was Piece of Me by Britney Spears. I'm missing making dreams since I was 17. Don't matter if I step on the scene or sneak away to the Philippines. They still gonna put pictures of my derriere in the magazine. You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? Drama, guess I can't see the harm in working and being a mom. And with a kid on my arm, I'm still an exception. Um, you is kind of a strange pick because I feel, I feel like people don't know this about me, but at a certain point in time, I was a pretty big Britney Spears fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, not like crazy so, but like that was like my one pop star that I enjoyed. Um, and that was around the time that she put this out. And I do think that this song very much holds up very well and might be my favorite from Britney's catalog. Oh, this was this around like that time when what was it? Circus came out. Yes. This yeah. was slightly before Circus. Oh um, man, that was that must have been like your freshman year, my sophomore year then. Uh, if I'm remembering right. Well maybe I'm well, no, because I think that was around eighth grade, and I think that this album was maybe like this album. I think was like beginning of eighth grade for me because I remember. Well, go ahead, <laughs> tell your part, and then I'll talk. No, about no, I'm not, I'm, I got nothing more. Go on. Okay, so this was 2008. Uh, the album was also Circus. I did not know that. Hmm. Um, but so this was. This was her 2007 album, which it came out October 30th, 2007. The other big hit single was Gimme More, um, which was It's Britney, Bitch. Yeah. Um, 
but so this album came out following britney's 2007 meltdown (laughs) um which like at the time i made fun of now i feel really bad because she was a young she was about our age now oh god Um, i didn't even think of it that way yeah and like she was receiving all this like crazy media attention and also i mean i don't know if you followed kind of the current britney situation but there's a lot of controversy surrounding her now yeah because of those like videos she's releasing right well she's currently um held i don't know if the word is held uh but she's under contract of like a conservatorship or something yes uh where more or less she's basically treated like a child um yeah it's she's still under custody of her father yes essentially Um, yes i have heard about that yeah which is kind of disturbing when you think about it it is a little weird she's a like 35 year old mother of two children yeah um, is she 35 i thought she was older she's probably a li- she might be pushing 40 i just yeah. kind of pulled 35 i was thinking like 40 uh she is 39 okay so we were um, we were pretty yeah. damn close um she has the same birthday as sean that's funny uh-huh. <laughs> but um yeah but so like this song in particular i didn't realize that this would become something that i really like in popular music but it's very self-aware and very smart and very kind of criticizing everything as much as it is about being like a fun enjoyable song right so i really enjoy that uh what were you gonna say about circus (laughs) oh i i wasn't actually i could uh it's funny because I have like two separate stories relating to two separate cousins of mine. <laughs> Tell them. Uh, so my cousin Joe, he's he's a goofball. And down at the beach, like if it was like a rainy day and we're just hanging around the, uh, the extended family's beach house. I remember like circus coming on and he was like lip syncing and dancing like like it was the most hilarious thing like just to kind of kill the time but it was there were like a bunch of different songs where you do shit like that and then it was funny enough at his high school graduation party little eddie right like toxic comes on and we look at little eddie and he's like doing this like weird like shoulder (laughs) shuffle thing and everybody's like cracking up but he was like really oh he was he was really little then yeah dude it was so weird because i saw him like I saw him right before everything shut down. Right. And then I saw him over the summer again. And that couldn't have been like more than a few months. The kid drastically changed. <laughs> it's it's that time. I, I can't believe he's like, he's going to be 16, this kid. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he's a teenager. Yeah. It's very funny because even though we all still think of him as little, he is. Yeah, like we think of him in that way, yeah, too. But like they're both. Almost adults. Yeah, they're almost adults. <laughs> um, which is very funny it's, to think about. It's strange. Um, let's keep on rolling along into your next pick, which was Werewolves of London by Warren Zevin. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain 
the place called Lee Ho Fuchs. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. Which, interestingly enough, I kind of went through a brief Warren Zevon phase a few years ago. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his album title. It might even just be self-titled, but the one that's very blue. Okay. Uh, because I love the track Desperado Under the Eaves. <laughs> um, but why'd you choose Werewolves of London? You know, it's funny. There are a lot of songs I think of that... Uh that my dad would play in the car, and this was like one of them. Like, yeah, I don't want. I don't want to say they're, they're not. They're definitely not joke songs, but they have like a kind of like funny like sound to them. Yeah, and this is like, this is one of them. It, it's like a song that's kind of like a little bit of a story, but like, it has these like fu- these funny lines. Like, I saw a werewolf at Trader Nick's. His hair was perfect. Well, Warren Zevon, for a lot of his stuff, he's kind of regarded as sort of like silly and a little yeah. bit out there. Yeah. So like, it totally makes sense that like, like you said, the song it it's not like laugh out loud funny, but it is right. funny. And it it makes me think of other songs of the like that my dad would play. It would be like. Uh, some of like th- like thorough good songs or like some Thin Lizzy songs even. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. This song to me always makes me think of All Summer Long by Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it samples this. <laughs> um, does it? Okay. It samples this and Sweet Home Alabama. It does sample both. Yeah. Because I know they sound awful. similar. I would have thought it would just be Sweet Home no, Alabama. It's, because it's both samples. It's a bad song. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it at the time. Uh, I yeah, really we, did. You yeah, know, we I, loved it when when it came out. Uh, but then we're like, God, Kid Rock. What, what Kid, are you doing? Kid Rock is. I can't think of a good Kid Rock song, and he's so popular. I like ACDC and ZZ that Top. Song, <laughs> I loved that song when it came out too. That yeah. song is awful. Yeah. Like awful, awful. That's that's like you look, you think back at certain memories. Like you're trying to sleep, and 3 a.m. It's your brain's like, Hey, remember this? And you're just like get a whole body cringe like why did i say that why did i do that i think i wrote about kid rock around around the election time um yeah. because i think he did he did something well he he was an avid uh he was a vocal trump supporter yes but also he did a he did the voiceover for an ad for i want to say someone in michigan or maybe it was Wisconsin. oh no it was definitely michigan because that's, yeah, that's where he's from, from. um but it was like the Republican candidate for Michigan, and he's like, "Do you want a real American badass, you know, in the Senate for Michigan?" And it's like, "Shut up, kid!" And I remember I wrote about it, and I was like, "The ba with a ba singer," <laughs> because I'm, I think I wrote he upjunked the boogie all over this ad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, hypothetically, all summer long could have been something I included. <laughs> But yeah, but no, Warren Zevon, I actually I do really like a lot of his stuff. He has a lot of really kind of like interesting and thoughtful albums and a lot of very good lyrics. Werewolves of London doesn't really stick with me the same way it did. But like a lot of his stuff holds up. And if you're not familiar with his other stuff, I recommend looking into it. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add about 
call. So let's keep on rolling along into my next pick, uh, which was No Love by Eminem featuring Lil Wayne. Uh, I'm alive again, more alive than I have been in my whole entire life. I can see these people's ears perk up as I begin to spaz with the pin. I'm a little bit sicker than most. Shit's finna get thick again. They say the competition is stiff, but I get a hard dick from the shit now. Stick it in. I ain't never giving in again. Cross into the wind, complete freedom. Look at these rappers, how I treat them. So why the fuck would I join them when I beat them? They call me a freak because I like to spit on these pussies. I don't know. I had to, uh, Harken back to my Eminem face. <laughs> a real, little bit. Real Jim Shady. Yeah, well, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep saying it. Um, no, but I figured I had to. Just because there was like a two-year stretch that I listened to a lot of Eminem. A lot of Eminem. A lot of Eminem. And a lot of Eminem, everybody. It was around the time this album came out, which was Eminem's big, uh, you know, kind of comeback, you know, after he had been away and relapse was kind of a flop yeah um so like you know i really you know it, it's funny now revisiting this album because i remember i kind of like flip-flopped on it a little bit where like when it first came out i really enjoyed it and then i was like oh this sucks because eminem's not you know being an edgelord anymore <laughs> um but now i kind of enjoy it you know yeah. sort of for what it is um, you know, but it's funny now anytime I go back and I listen to Eminem songs because Eminem's new albums have been bad. Oh, um, he has put out, well, cause after this album, I think he put out the Marshall Mathers LP two, which was pretty good. That was about 2017. And then he just started like dropping these awful albums that I don't like at all and i'm gonna pull up because there's been like five of them mm -hmm. um so this came out in 2010 2013 it wasn't even 20 uh, 2013 he put out marshall mathers lp2 which was still pretty good mm -hmm. but then he put out revival which was a sequel to this album that wasn't good at all right and then Kamikaze, which had maybe one song but wasn't, and then Music to be Murdered by, which, like, I like the sentiment, but I'm like, shut up, Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's been kind of meh ever since. Mm -hmm. um, he had that weird beef with Machine Gun Kelly, um, who is also someone that I don't like, but, like... I mean, I don't think a lot of people do. Eh, I don't know. He probably has his following. He does. And, like, you know, whatever. I don't know. I've been I've been tweeting a lot of mean things about Machine Gun Kelly oh, <laughs> recently. Man. He put out that god awful pop punk album. But um yeah, I just kinda you know, I remember hearing this album and this song in particular I was excited for because I remember I'd read that it sampled What Is Love by Hadaway, uh, which again is another song that I could have included just because we would watch uh Night at the Roxbury, Night at the Roxbury or the, or the sketches from SNL. And, you know, would listen to that religiously. So I was excited. And then you don't really hear a lot of that in this, even though you can tell that it's obviously sampled. Yeah. But I think that kind of the way Eminem kind of played with it and changed the song enough, 
It flows. It is very good. Yeah. And even as someone like I'm not a very big Lil Wayne fan either, but hearing you know his verse is also very good in this. Yeah. Um you know, the only thing I'd change is there's some moments that Eminem drops like weird cultural references that don't really make as much sense anymore. Yeah. But it's still I don't know. I don't know. Do you have any fond memories from that period of my life? Um, this from that period of your life, not necessarily, but this just makes me think. Um, Lil Wayne was very relevant at this point. Yeah, I think Don't Lil think Wayne is still pretty relevant. He still gets a lot of attention. I, I disagree. Like personally, for me, like until like I listened to this, I hadn't thought about Lil Wayne in like the longest time, and then before that, I think it was almost a year ago because it was. It was actually the day of the Super Bowl. There was, was it the Super Bowl? It, I think it was the same weekend because I was skiing with a bunch of guys and we were crashing for the night up in Vermont and we were trying to watch the game, but we're like, this is not a very entertaining game. Right. So we flipped the channels and we had all been out skiing, you know, went to the bar for a bite to eat before. Right. And then we're back at this house just chilling. Everybody's like goofing, having a good time. And we flip to the first episode of The Masked Singer. Oh. And the first guy to get eliminated from the show was Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Oh. And I was just like, where the hell has this cat been for the last several years? I haven't thought about this dude in the longest time. Well, so I don't. I don't totally know the exact history and I don't know his discography inside and out. But he put out, I think it might have even been last year, he put out an album called The Carter Five. Which Carter Five? Five, which uh, my understanding had kind of been sitting in, for lack of a better word, like purgatory for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, because... He was just waiting for the right time to release it or he was just no. tweaking So the whole album. Remember Martin Shkreli? Yes. Pharma bro, pharma douche. Yes, of course. Um, so that guy tried to be a music exec for a little bit. Um, he had he had an independent label. I think he had signed the and I could be a little bit wrong on this, but I think he had signed the band Thursday, um, which are like a popular emo band. I think he had done some work with the Hotelier. It's funny if you look back at things before his whole public screw up because you could find like old uh, videos and stuff of him, like from like South by Southwest, where like he's in the front row and they're like, that's that guy. Or like there's videos of him wearing like shirts by like bands like Brand New and stuff. But I guess the guy had somehow signed Lil Wayne or bought the rights to the Carter Five. I feel like I remember this being mentioned in the news or something. Yeah. Well, because the big thing that had come that kind of overshadowed everything was. Wu-Tang Clan had an album that they only made one copy of. Yeah. And they were going to auction it off. At first, they were like, well, we want to treat it like a work of art, so we're going to tour it around to museums and have listening parties where like, you'll go to a museum, you'll buy a ticket, and you can sit and you listen to the album front to back, and then we're going to auction it off. 
And I forget if they were pocketing that money or if it was going to charity, but Martin Shkreli was the one that bought it. And there was a lot of backlash because people were like, why is this guy buying it? Right. Um, but so, yeah. So he had the rights to the Carter Five, and the Carter Five finally got released. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if Lil Wayne had output prior to that or what. Um, but this was kind of the era that Lil Wayne was probably at his most popular and probably at his best. Um, I remember he also released an album. That was when he released the rock album um, with the song Prom Queen, which is awful. <laughs> um, but he had the song um, Drop the World, which also featured Eminem. This was a very good period for Eminem, just doing random guest verses that were all pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I really, I do really like this verse. I think that there's a lot of funny lines. I think that there's some stuff that's kind of dumb where it's like, Till I'm toppling from the top, I'm not going to stop. I'm standing on my Monopoly board. That means I'm on top of my game. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there's also, like, something. There's also the great line. It's like, man, get these whack cocksuckers off stage. Where the fuck is Kanye when you need them? Like, <laughs> snatch the mic from him, Bitch, I'm going to let you finish in a minute. Yeah, the rap was tight, but I'm about to spit the greatest verse of all time. So, so like, very funny. I don't know. I, I do really enjoy some of Eminem's stuff from that era. Yeah. Um, but let's keep on rolling along into your last song, which was uh, Working for the Weekend by Loverboy. So this one kind of stuck out to me because as far as I can kind of tell, it seems like that was the only like one hit wonder really Yeah, on your list. Yeah. Like obviously one hit wonder. Um, I don't know anything else, but I love her. I'm pretty sure <laughs> uh, this. I don't think I mentioned it before, but the Barry White stuff also kind of tethers in with this because this was more college era, specifically junior year, because we had a good group of guys living in our townhouse. And Friday night came once everybody was done with classes. I think it was Josh who had the Spotify playlist going, and this was on the playlist along with like a bunch of like Barry White just for good measure for whatever reason. For when you would have wild orgies with each other. No. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Um, no, but... You would have the wild orgies and then put on Loverboy to decompress. No, Loverboy was actually to, like, go about cleaning the house, that working for the weekend. It was, it was funny because, like, we were like, all right, this place looks like shit. We might have a couple of people over hanging out. We got to get this place ship shape. And then, you know, I, I think... You ever watch that show, Regular Show? No. Well, I think they had an episode where they were... Because they... The characters in the show work at a town park, and they do various chores, so they, they had to get the park cleaned up, and this was one of those things. They're like, all right, we're going to go see this band 
tonight we got to get all these chores done before we go and then you know this song kicks in it was kind of like that okay there was a lot of like other random stuff like barry white um trying to think of what else was on the playlist but you get the oldies but goodies the oldies but goodies exactly um the song always makes me think of um grand theft auto vice city um because that was the point that grand theft auto had been a hit like grand theft auto 3 was what kind of broke through the game to the mainstream yeah because grand theft auto 3 i think for the most part had unknown music on the radio stations in the cars was that the one that had a flock of seagulls or was that the the first one i think that was vice city that had okay. a flock of seagulls but grand theft auto 3 was kind of the breakthrough vice city people realize like oh we have a budget and we can get popular music and a lot of sort of in the same way that like tony hawk did this for a lot of people um a lot of bands realized oh we could reach a whole audience by being in grand theft auto so i think that so i know that this song was on like the rock station yeah. on vice city so i remember and you know just kind of the era that i was playing that game i only listen to rock music so that was what i would play and i was like oh cool the same yeah. with like midnight club 3 because obviously both rockstar games yeah. created them but you had like your stations and you could choose like instead of having everything play it could just strictly be rock yeah that was kind of like that was like something I liked in like the Tony Hawk games too, yeah. because you could you could check off songs that you didn't like, or you could choose to only play a certain genre or whatever, and things like that. Um, you know, uh, admittedly, I don't think that the Grand Theft Auto soundtrack had as much of a formative influence on me as the Tony Hawk soundtrack did, right? Um, because I think that Grand Theft Auto really kind of tried to capture everything and build a world around it where tony hawk was trying to capture the one world that it existed in right i feel like there was more ska involved with the skater games there was a lot of ska there was a lot of pop punk there was some hardcore and metal there was it's funny now to look at the track list for the tony hawk pro skater soundtracks because they were things there's so much stuff that like I love now or I grew to love later in life that I didn't even realize I'd heard right. when I was like five playing it on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. But I don't know, but like I feel like GTA, whenever I was over here and you guys were playing GTA, you would have the sound down and you were playing like whatever the Green Day album was at the time. Yeah, well, because that was also something that we tended... Well, because when we played GTA a lot of the time too... Well, because we had GTA 3 first. We didn't yeah. get GTA uh, Vice City until we were a little bit older. But GTA 3, we were, you know, the music on it sucked. <laughs> I hated it. Like, to put it plainly, it really just sucked. But so I remember we would just kind of like be like, okay, let's put on a CD on the boom box and then we'll go. Uh, because really the thing that was most fun when you had people over was just get in car chases and see who could last the longest. Yes. Um, without dying or getting arrested. How many stars you could rack up exactly. before you got arrested or killed. Exactly. So, you know, that was always the most fun. Um, but anyway, let's wrap this on up with my last pick, which was The Boys Are Back by The Dropkick
I think it's the most recent song on the playlist because it might not be, but <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah, I think it might be too. Because that song came out in 2013, um, and I chose it very specifically mm-hmm. because, well, uh, for the reason that we'll get to, but <laughs> I also chose it because it came out when we were in college and I would listen to it a lot in college. Um, and I felt like that was a one one era that I didn't really represent <laughs> in any of my other songs, but I figured I'm like, at the end, we'll put <laughs> something I played a lot in college. Um, right. But I also chose it because 2013, when this album came out, we also went to go see the Dropkick Murphys, and this was also the song that they opened with. Yeah, we saw Terminal Five. I'm sorry, (laughs) Terminal Five, the god awful venue. Terminal Five. That's Uh, just so strange. It uh, Terminal Five has come to be the one place where, if a band I really love is playing there and they're not playing somewhere else in New York, I'll go. But if I can avoid going to Terminal Five, I won't go. It's just the space just seems kind of awkward. It is. I saw very. I want to say it was maybe three or four years ago. I saw the front bottoms there Mm -hmm. with Greg. And it was almost like the opposite of when we saw the Dropkick Murphys there. So it was like not crowded at all or it was way more calm, no moshing whatsoever? Well, I sort of mean, I guess, in the sense of like how we got. Because when we saw Dropkick Murphys there, I think we got in like as the doors opened. Yeah, we there was nobody there pretty much. Yeah, we were except at, for our crew. Yeah, we were at the very front. You know, we had a great spot. We were right on the barricade the whole show. That was which, fire. Yeah, it was awesome. But um you know, the, that being said, the sound was horrendous. The sound quality at Terminal 5 is bad. Mm-hmm. But so seeing the front bottoms there, Greg and I, we went to dinner first, had a few drinks, and then we got there a little bit late. So, like, there wasn't really a lot of room in a lot of places. Wines dined and fashionably late. So when we got there, you know, we went, you know, and we took our stuff up to the coat check. And then, like... There was <laughs> there was nowhere to go. And we were talking about it, and he was like, oh, you know, I've kind of gotten into, like, going up and being, like, on the balcony. And I'm like, I'm game for the balcony for a front-bottom show. Could you just go up there, or do you have to have specific no, spots? Uh, there's, like, one part that is, like, a VIP, and, like, that's kind of the standard for a lot of shows. Right. But, no, we were able to get up there just fine. But, like... The way it's set up is, you know, when you go to a show, a balcony should kind of, like, slant. So you can actually see the stage. Right. So, like, even if, like, you're at the back of the balcony, you could still see the stage. But a lot of, like, rock clubs, the balconies are kind of flat going around. But at Terminal 5 in specific, there really isn't a lot of space. So there were people crowded, like, around the balcony. Yeah. But... Because there were like two or three people in front of us, we couldn't look down and see the stage. Because from what I remember and what I've seen in like videos from other stuff that takes place at Terminal 5, it really just looks like more of like a gang gangway like kind of walk just to kind of get from place to place to set up lighting. Yeah, it isn't, it isn't very well set up. The sound quality is bad. Um, I've seen, I want to say four shows at Terminal 5. I've seen... Dropkicks, that was the first one. Front Bottoms with Greg. And then I've seen two with Nina. One was Japan Droids, and we had a pretty good spot. 
And then we saw the kooks, and that one was bad just because the crowd was awful. Yeah, <laughs> um, how so? I don't know, they were just like obnoxious, just mm. really obnoxious. But when we see it, saw the dropkicks there, they were great. Yes. Because we were up front. And the dropkicks, granted, I haven't seen them in years now, but I'm sure they still put on a very good show. Yeah. Um, you know, but they always do. I saw them then, and then I saw them. Um, like a month later uh, which which one was later, it like that the the bruins were playing so they delayed the start of the show that was three months later because we saw them in march yeah and then greg and i saw them in june um and when we saw them in june was when they delayed the show by hours <laughs> because of the bruins game but that admittedly that was the better of the two shows just because there was a, even though like they were great when we saw them there was a lot more spark with that one but when we saw them they came out and they opened with this song um yeah we also didn't go to the right show at terminal oh no we we missed the real (laughs) excitement the next one um i don't even know if they covered acdc when we saw them Um, they because on that tour they would tend to close shows by covering tnt by acdc and then someone was Nazi saluting uh, uh, the next night. Yeah, the next night that skinhead got up on stage. Yeah, because Dropkicks famously just pull people on stage during their last two songs or so. Yeah, but it was mostly girls, at least for, for our show. Right? Well, they, they bring girls on for, like, the ballad. Right. Like, when they do Kiss Me, I'm Shitfaced, or uh, in that case, it was End of the Night. Yeah. Um, and then after that... They play skinhead on the MBTA and they just let them, uh, you know. Yeah, everybody goes stage, bananas. On stage. Greg got on stage when we were. Did he? That's cool. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Um, but so like, yeah. So one of those things. But then, yeah. But that was a great show. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I'd seen the Mahones, who I'm still very fond of. And um, Brian McPherson, yeah. who I'm also very fond of. Oh, we didn't we didn't complete that bit about the uh, the the neo Nazi getting up on stage because oh. that's not a good thing. What happened to him was oh, and then <laughs> Ken Casey smacked him, smacked him with his bass, with his bass, and uh, that song ended early, and then they did like one more. And yeah, that was it. But it it was great. That's, um, that's a great story. I mean, obviously we weren't there for it. No, <laughs> I I heard. Uh, like, un- unfortunately, the person I heard the story from who had been at that show was in the balcony. Right. And, you know, I was like, yeah, it's cool. She was she was friends with a friend of ours, but we're like, that that's cool that you went. But, like, oh, we couldn't stand this girl. She was, like, so obnoxious. <laughs> Just, we were like, uh, why does it have to be you? <laughs> it happens. I don't know. The, it, it's this so cool, cool thing happened to this person we're not a fan of <laughs> i mean i don't know shit like that happens so much yeah. it's so funny it it's funny too because the dropkick murphys are so huge where like now they they could never even play terminal five um because the times they've played new york since then i think they've done some club shows but like they play like um they did forest hills stadium with flogging molly which mm-hmm. holds significantly more people um and they also did uh the ford amphitheater at coney island hmm. with rancid 
um, which is just way too far to go to. (laughs) 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 But I think those are both significantly bigger venues. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is one of those things that's just kind of like wild. I don't know. Um, The show Greg and I saw, though, was also just very good because I remember we got out to Long Island like very early. Right. You know, it still took us a while to get out there because traffic was abysmal. But I remember we kind of like, you know, we drove out. We were chilling. And then we were just like, all right, well, let's get food. And then we'll just kind of walk around the town for a little bit. Because it was way too early for us to line up. And we were walking around. And then we saw Al Barr just pass us. And Greg was like, oh, hey. And he was like, hey, guys. You know, just very, <laughs> like, hi. hi. <laughs> He's like, I know <laughs> You're both going to the show later. But but then he said later, he was like, yeah, I found out that... Or he said, like, oh, today's the anniversary of the death of one of my friends. And <sighs> today's always very hard for me. So, like, it just kind of seemed like he was just kind of, like, walking around, kind of keeping his head down low. Um, but then there was a guy uh, standing in front of us in line. And, you know, we just kind of get talking to him. And he's like, yeah, I've seen, like... 200 or so dropkick murphy shows and we're like wow he i think he said like i've been to 204 dropkick murphy shows you fucking liar well we we're like oh wow and he goes yeah and you know we mentioned we were like well they let people on stage you go you ever get on stage for anything? he goes i've been on sta- i've been to 204 i've been on stage about 200 times and we were like oh wow and he's like the only times i really don't get on stage are like when they don't do it because <laughs> i guess he'd been to like shows at like fenway and some of those bigger boston shows where like they don't let people in. Oh, okay um but he's like, yeah, you know, I've been, uh, he goes, I've gone to a lot. I've met the guys a few times. And he's like, you know, they definitely, like, recognize me. We're not, like, but, but, like. Not on a first name basis. <laughs> well, he's like, I've met them and, like, you know, whatever. And he goes, you know, I go to a lot on, like, the East Coast and stuff. He goes, but one time I was in Vegas and uh, they were playing. And he goes, you know, I hadn't been to, he goes, you know. I, w- I was waiting to go and, you know, I get there and I'm right up front and he goes, you know, I could see Al when he came out to like go see people in the crowd. He was like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I was just in Vegas at the time that they were playing. So I was like, oh, I got to go. Um, but he was like, that was a good show. He goes, that was right after they caught the guy at the Boston bombing. So that was a great show. Wow. Um, which... I imagine is probably one of the best. <laughs> I imagine that or Red Sox winning the World Series are probably the best. Yes, absolutely. The energy af- after like those. The won. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, no, that was such a that was such a crazy show though because I remember as we were walking around, Greg looks at Twitter and he goes, "Oh, they just tweeted that they weren't going on. They're not going on stage till eleven o'clock because of the hockey game." And we were like, okay, cool. And, like, the show started at a relatively normal time, like 8 o'clock or so. And they had, like, two openers. Uh, One was the Mahones. One was a band called Old Man Marky. Um, They might have had one more that I don't remember. But both those bands went on. And they were like, oh, this is cool, you know, whatever. You know, and, like, then after Old Man Marky finished, they had two big screens in the venue. So they projected the hockey game up on them. And we're like, okay. And like by the time the second band finished, you know, they were in like 
the second or third quarter and we were like okay cool this is gonna wrap up early you know we're like okay cool we're almost there the band's gonna come out and i think the bruins were winning <laughs> and we're okay like, this is cool this is gonna be a good show if the bruins win craig was like i'm rooting for the blackhawks through and through but uh you know i kind of hope that the bruins win tonight so that it's a better show i would i would have hoped it would have been in the third period you know right but so like we're watching and we're like okay and it's like tied mm-hmm. we're like okay oh god and like <laughs> it's, it's like getting towards the end of the third period and it's kind of obvious it's not gonna <laughs> change anytime soon and greg and i were also up front so like we're kind of looking straight up <laughs> <laughs> straight up and like to the side <laughs> and eventually like the lights go down they started playing the foggy dew by sinead o'connor and oh the yeah Chieftains. And they come out and like they opened with for Boston that time, uh, then went into Boys Are Back, which was great. But like, you know, the game didn't end till after the show, which was wild. It went into like double or triple overtime. Oh, God. And I remember when they did Kiss Me, I'm shit faced when Ken Casey goes out into the audience and stuff. He was looking at the screen to see the <laughs> score, <laughs> which was hilarious. So. That's another very fond memory, but you know, but yeah, but yeah, I think that I don't know. I want to see drop kicks again. That would be awesome. Yeah. So hopefully, when all this ends, you know, we could go see drop kicks again. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. Have you watched any of their like live stream shows? I have not. Uh, They're they're like if you have a Friday night and like you're just looking to like have a few beers and chill, like you know they're both on YouTube, so. Hmm. recommend putting them on you know having a good time you know but yeah anyway those are our playlists did you have any honorable mentions well we've definitely mentioned a bunch of times like video games being a little bit of an influence (laughs) and that that is definitely was a big factor it was mostly like the racing games whether it was need for speed hot pursuit or midnight club um i can't think of the other movie from it was it was another like big movie in high school that a couple of it was it was mostly the goalie who was also like a skater punk kind of kid he was big it was called the movie was called grind so this song was in that soundtrack it was cleaned up for the need for speed soundtrack this band called hot action cop okay. and they've been featured in like a couple of these like kind of movies or games or whatever but um yeah the song going down on it is is very popular you'd hear it you'd recognize it if you played need for speed hot pursuit because that was like the intro song right um but that was obviously cleaned up for need for speed the uh for grind it was not (laughs) (laughs) they're 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 definitely like a very crass kind of band as you could probably tell from the album cover from the uh the self the uh i think the uh, it's actually just Hot Action Cop is the title of the album. I'm going to look this because I don't know if I'm familiar with this at all. It's possible that I've heard it, but I'm just going to kind of pull it up. Hot Action Cop is an American rock band from Nashville. Well, their debut EP was called Nutbag, which I think tells you a lot. Yeah. Looks like the date. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen that album cover. <laughs> it's kind of unmistakable. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
No, I definitely had a few honorable mentions. I thought about uh, No Matter What from Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, <laughs> because that is a jam. I stand by it. Um, what's the... You know, an artist that I didn't include and I chose not to uh, given kind of recent controversy surrounding him, uh, but I I think that it would be you know dishonest to pretend like i didn't like this artist was marilyn manson right um you know but just kind of given recent uh you know things that have been in the news i didn't want to bring him up but i did listen to a lot of marilyn oh yeah (laughs) uh back in the day yes you did um and it it was almost hard to kind of not include any of his stuff because there was a period that that was a lot of what i listened yeah the only reason i knew of anything by him was because of you 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 probably would have heard stuff yeah it was was like one song in midnight club three that had was marilyn manson and then oh the new shit came up was like my second year lifeguarding and this another person i had played lacrosse with who was working with me that summer he mentioned it and i'm like you you know this he's like yeah i know this well it's funny now because like he kind of transcended and became this personality that a lot of rappers like um but you know i you know i i was just such a big fan when i was a kid um you know (sighs) but yeah so that was one there were other there were others too that I feel like I get nostalgic for that I listen to more now that I didn't necessarily include like My Chemical Romance and Fallout Boy and stuff. Yeah, but, you know, but I still listen to those pretty regularly. <laughs> those still play a pretty active part in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, guys, thank you for giving a listen, and John, thank you for being here. Of and, course, uh, I'll jam out with you next time. Bye. Well. We've definitely mentioned a bunch of times like video games being a little yeah. bit of an influence and that that is definitely was a big factor. It was mostly like the racing games, whether it was Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit or Midnight Club. Uh, I can't think of the other movie from it was it was another like big movie in high school that a couple of it was it was mostly the goalie who was also like a skater punk kind of kid. He was big. It was called, the movie was called Grind. So this song was in that soundtrack. It was cleaned up for the Need for Speed soundtrack. This band called Hot Action Cop, okay. and they've been featured in like a couple of these like kind of movies or games or whatever. But um, yeah, the song going down on it is is very popular. You'd hear it. You'd recognize it if you played Need for Speed Hot Pursuit because that was like the intro song, right? Um, but that was obviously cleaned up for Need for Speed. The uh, for Grind, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 definitely like a very crass kind of band, oh, okay. as you could probably tell from the album cover. From the uh, the self the uh, I think the uh, it's actually just Hot Action Cop is the title of the album. I'm gonna look this because I don't know if I'm familiar with this at all. It's possible that I've heard it, but I'm just gonna kind of. Pull it up. Hot Action Cop is an American rock band from Nashville. Um, da, 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 da. Well, their debut EP was called Nutbag, which <laughs> I think tells you a lot. Yeah. Um, looks like the date. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen that album cover. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of unmistakable. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
No, I definitely had a few honorable mentions. I thought about uh, No Matter What from Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, <laughs> because that is a jam. I stand by it. Um, what's the... You know, an artist that I didn't include and I chose not to uh, given kind of recent controversy surrounding him, uh, but I I think that it would be you know dishonest to pretend like i didn't like this artist was marilyn manson right um you know but just kind of given recent uh you know things that have been in the news i didn't want to bring him up but i did listen to a lot of marilyn oh yeah uh back in the day yes you did um and it it was almost hard to kind of not include any of his stuff because there was a period that that was a lot of what i listened yeah the only reason i knew of anything by him was because of you 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 probably would have heard stuff yeah it was was like one song in midnight club three that had was marilyn manson and then oh the new shit came up was like my second year lifeguarding and this another person i had played lacrosse with who was working with me that summer he mentioned it and i'm like you you know this he's like yeah i know this well it's funny now because like he kind of transcended and became this personality that a lot of rappers like um but you know i you know i i was just such a big fan when i was a kid um you know (sighs) but yeah so that was one there were other there were others too that I feel like I get nostalgic for that I listen to more now that I didn't necessarily include like My Chemical Romance and Fallout Boy and stuff. Yeah, but, you know, but I still listen to those pretty regularly. <laughs> those still play a pretty active part in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, guys, thank you for giving a listen, and John, thank you for being here. Of and, course, uh, I'll jam out with you next time. Bye. This has been a Lughole Podcast.